to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham. I'm a confidence mentor for women, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. My intention is to help you clear out any mental or spiritual blocks that are keeping you from leading the most happy, fulfilling, successful life that you could possibly lead. This podcast is about activating our highest potential, healing in mind, body, and spirit, and above all, holding space for our humanity as we create our own versions of heaven on earth. tuning in here just because I need this right alongside you. Let's just take a nice deep breath, shall we? Wherever you are, whatever you're up to, just pause for a moment to turn your attention inward toward the breath and let's just take a nice big inhale. (sighs) Audible exhale, letting that out, just releasing everything leading up to this moment, maybe rolling the shoulders back. You know what led up to that for me was the day at the DMV. (laughs) It actually was pretty painless. We love to see it. Um, Yeah, I've just been kind of scrambling around, doing my last little errands, trying to um, minimize a lot of my belongings and doing a big purge right now. It's so in alignment with uh, the fall approaching and we are about to enter eclipse season. So eclipse season comes around every six months. So we can expect to like go through a whole nother cycle of rebirth, regrowth, Um, I've been thinking so much about the cycles of breakdowns into breakthroughs and breakdowns into breakthroughs over and over again as we keep having these like phoenix rising moments. That's how we think of eclipses, like phoenix risings. And it's almost like a super pronounced new moon cycle in my mind. You know, we always talk about on a new moon, we'll like plant seeds, we'll plant the seeds of desires, we'll do our manifestation, we'll call it in, and then we'll be patient while those seeds begin to germinate and grow and then come to life over time, but it takes a little while, right? So I like to think about what seeds we were planting six months ago and look at eclipse season on just like a big scale of that. What did we need to shed and release? Uh, What parts of self did we need to compassionately leave behind and outgrow to get to the next level? And what has that really looked like? And yeah, it's really cool to, to take a look at a container like that of growth because we have some of these markers. I think New Year's is a good marker for this, but, um, the, the passage of time can be kind of elusive. So it's good to look back on little increments, be like, okay, I was here six months ago and and this was the turning point for me. And it's kind of a midpoint check-in regardless. So just think about perhaps where you were six months ago, what has changed, what has shifted and evolved for you. And eclipses are also very karmic. They're big, they're big portals. They're not just little fluffy things. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of you guys are going through big changes in your relationships or other dynamics with people who are close to you. I wouldn't be surprised if some of us are moving or traveling or, you know, upgrading our career in a big way. Someone so close to me just got both a huge job offer and a huge upgrade. Literally on the same day, she also got like her dream apartment, like all in the same day. All of these portals are just opening and people are having rapid growth. I'm seeing this in family, friends, clients, um, or if it's not happening yet, it's bubbling for sure. So 
Yeah, it's really exciting to think about. I always like, you know, any excuse to be like, okay, what's happening? What's brewing? How can I get ready for this? I think it keeps us on our toes, doesn't it? Um, I've especially been going through a breakdown cycle recently, which has been beautiful to witness because it doesn't happen very often that I have a deep breakthrough basically in the depths like that. And yeah, as I'm, as I'm getting ready to enter a new chapter, which, you know, I keep talking about, but I'm a Cancerian. So, um, home is really important for me. So when I'm shifting home life, like it's really, it's really emotional. It's really charged for me and family is so important to me. So anything about like moving out of that, um, I just, (laughs) I have a lot to move through. Okay. So, and, and sometimes it will sneak up on me in an interesting way. And, the other day I just had a little breakdown. I was, I was at, um, breakfast with my mom and my sister and I caught myself like really not wanting to complain, even though I've, I've had some stress going on. I haven't really looked at it. Um, I'd been definitely suppressing that. I've noticed that my screen time has been way up. And when my screen time is way up, I'm usually like, okay, what are you resistant to looking at? I've been avoiding meditation a little bit more and life has just been a little bit more hectic in general, which is all pointing to slow down, go inward. But I've been avoiding that for sure. And then when I was at breakfast, um, with them, I could, I could see and feel myself like turning off the urge to really talk about what I was experiencing and feeling because I felt like I was going to be complaining. And one of my biggest wounds is really, I'm so afraid of being a burden to other people. Like it's my deepest wounding. I think we all have something, you know, there's usually a crux point like that, which we can pretty much label to be like, okay, that's a core wounding. And that's what I fear the most. And my, my biggest fear, yeah, is being a burden or making life more difficult for somebody. I just never want to make it harder for them, you know, cause life is hard anyway. So I try to be aware of that. Um, but you know, as I've reflected on this, of course, and this has happened many times where I am avoidant with talking about my feelings with my family, sometimes like that. Um, But what I've really realized is it's really important to do that because it builds a bond, it builds trust, it builds connection. Of course, there's a harmony and a balance around that of like, okay, when are you actually like complaining too much? But something I'm still figuring out, to be honest. But um, yeah, that night I, I called up my sister and I just totally had a breakdown and I was just sobbing. I was like, where did this come from? It's hard to even label. Um, and I was just really in my head about wanting to be, I was just uncomfortable in the present. I was like itching to be farther along and have more things figured out and, um, just itching to get out of the present because the present was so uncomfortable. And my sister was, just so wise and so kind to just say, you know, Helen, you really speak harshly to yourself uh, when you have these moments of, of like, kind of like beating yourself up literally. Like I, I could feel like anger building up in me against myself of being like, why can't you just figure this out, Helen? And she was able to mirror that back to me and be like, this is what I'm witnessing in you. This is, this is how you're really self-sabotaging, which is the point of our episode today. We're going to talk about it, but Um, I'm so grateful for her mirroring of me and her reflection back because 
Yeah, I think what I tend to do, and I'm just talking about this because I hope it helps you, you know, if you relate to this, what I tend to do is I will have this big emotional buildup and then I'll beat myself up and be like, oh, I wish I would stop complaining. I like, I hate that I do this. I'll say unkind things to myself only when like family is around because I so desperately want them to comfort me so that I know that I'm not going to be abandoned. So I turn the dial like way too far up to be comforted. So it's an interesting like inner child wound that I've been navigating and a core wounding. And it's almost like a psychosis that goes on when it clicks in because I can feel my brain like changing. I can feel my brain it feels chemical. It feels like it's reverting into a childhood state of unsafety because I'm scared of the unknown basically. But the, the cool thing about quantum leaping, quantum healing, when we talk about that is basically what it is, it's, is it's shortening the, the time that it takes to recover from an episode like that. Like that's what I consider quantum healing to be a lot about is having a heightened awareness and knowing how to move your energy through and out so that you can close the gap between the, the suffering and the recovery a little bit faster. So yeah. So then after that, of course, I woke up the next morning after having a big cry and having a bath and doing some writing and pulling some tarot and oracle cards. And I felt like I was a newborn baby. I just felt so, I felt so happy to be alive. And <laughs> another thing that my sister had said to me that really stuck out was like, just remember that this is a temporary feeling. And when we're in um, discomfort, it can feel like it's going to last forever. And we just, we tend to beat ourselves up even more in the pit. Cause we're like, come on, get out of it. Like, what are you doing when really we just need to like, let it happen and really feel our feelings. And, you know, of course I give this advice to everyone. And then sometimes I don't take my own advice. Sometimes I'm, pr I'm usually pretty good at it, but with major life events that are happening, it's sometimes it just triggers, triggers something even deeper. I think this is where we can talk about perfectionism too and releasing that. Um, so I've just been trying to be more vulnerable, transparent, and open about my humanity basically with myself first and foremost, with my family and friends, and then with community and on Instagram and the podcast, right? So I think there's a lot of power in that and a lot of healing to just like own our humanity in so many ways. So that's all a precursor to talk about self-sabotaging today and what really leads up to that and how we can begin to understand it more and of course heal it. Raise your hand if you feel like you're going through a quarter life crisis. Oh my goodness, I have been there. This usually happens in our late 20s and early 30s when we find ourselves feeling unfulfilled and confused on what the path forward looks like. This time in life can feel extremely isolating and lonely. It's often at this point when we look around us and on paper everything seems okay, but we're having more of an internal existential crisis where we feel like we're lacking fulfillment and vitality on so many levels and it can feel like we've lost ourselves along the way. This crossroads can feel really confusing and leave us in the dark about what action to take to enter a more peaceful state in life. 
I'm here to share with you that your highest self isn't just some elusive character on your vision board, and there absolutely is a way forward. Your highest self is your soul's essence waiting to be embodied. So if you're ready to heal and evolve and become this version of yourself, you're ready to build your confidence and truly take action toward the woman you so deeply desire to be. Join me in private one-on-one -on -one mentorship. The link is in the description to apply, and I can't wait to meet you. Thanks for listening. So I'll open up this topic more by talking about subconscious healing on another level. So basically I was making myself like a new hypnosis recording the other night for my newer manifestations coming in. I wanted to revamp that, like make the visualization stronger. And you guys totally do this. Like I just get out my voice notes, put on some nice meditation music, and I record this, these like visualizations in my voice notes only for about three to five minutes so that I listen to that really regularly and it becomes really ingrained. So then I was thinking, you know, what, <laughs> what leads to brainwashing and why is brainwashing? Why does it have such a negative connotation? Why is brainwashing so violent and subconscious healing is not like what actually allows and causes someone to get completely brainwashed? So, uh, first I asked ChatGPT, and ChatGPT told me I can't answer that. You, you're not supposed to be asking those questions. So then I went to the Google and I found an interesting couple of articles on brainwashing and how it really happens. And I think we all like have a, a semblance of it, but the, the takeaway that I got there was this people really to actually get brainwashed. Every sense of a person's identity needs to be stripped away. This is why it's so violent because you give someone's control and their personal power is taken away from them by somebody else, like a cult leader, for example. And it's at the most basic level. So their identity gets stripped away from personality first. So all of their beliefs are shaken up. They're given new beliefs basically, but also, and especially their human needs are met in a different way. And that's also out of their control. So basically they have to ask permission to use the bathroom or bathe themselves or speak aloud or sleep. You know, that's like people will stay, keep somebody up all night to brainwash them basically because they enter this really terrible, very vulnerable state. But, and that got me thinking, okay, so if that's what it takes to create a new altered belief, we can understand why from childhood we take on the beliefs of our parents because as babies, we have to depend on our caretakers for everything. They feed us, they bathe us, they close up, they clothe us, they give us and indoctrinate us in their belief system, some wonderful, some not so great. So you can see why we, we are brainwashed as kids, not in that violent way, I hope, but, um, it's just a natural process of childhood, um, which, which all that programming takes place in. So you can see why, if you want to change a belief system later on in life, there is so much unlearning to be done and there's so much stripping back and there's so much of an identity shift that needs to happen. And so that's an interesting place to kind of come from and think about like how intense it really is to instill a really, really strong new belief. And, you know, if you think about a kid who grows up really having no financial security, no housing security, no food security, and you try to put that kid in like a billionaire's family and tell them that they deserve all these things, it's going to be hard for a kid to grow up 
in that way, believing it, you know, you know what I mean? I, I won't take too long to give that example, but, um, there's so much research behind this about taking a person from one background and popping them into another environment and it just not syncing up because the beliefs are so deeply ingrained. So it's, it's like a, it's a slow build and a complete reconstruction of a personality and or not really personality identity that has to be shifted. So that's where the work really is. Um, I was also watching this documentary recently on the housing crisis and trying to get houseless people who have um, drug issues basically into more stable homes. And what they would find was this happened in, in Los Angeles. They tried to rehouse all these people and give them hotels to stay in for a while to get back on their feet. And, you know, for maybe 10% of those people, they, it really did help them. But what they found was that there is a community and a culture in street life where people feel like that's where their identity is. That's where they feel safe. That's where they feel connected. They don't, some of them, a lot, most of them in this research, they didn't want to get a job. They didn't, they didn't want to do that. You know, they didn't want to change their whole life when they had all this actual freedom on the streets, you know, no responsibilities. It's hard to give up. So there are a couple examples there for just like how deeply entrenched we are in our identities and the conscious awareness that is required to shift out of that. And most importantly, in the beginning, a change in environment that's going to help us safely and gradually shift into a new identity, basically. Um, so that's what the next point really is, is changing our environment. So on a more like less intense, but very real example of this. So say that we want to get in shape. We want to be working out more. We don't want to eat so much sugar, you know, the, the classics. Um, so we've got to prime our environment basically to challenge our identity and our belief system. So that would look like just not buying any sugary foods at the grocery store and just having whole organic foods in the house, for example, like priming our environments is a great way to stop self-sabotaging, um, in the beginning and a, in a more gradual way so that your homes feels like home, but home is changing just a little bit, a little bit like, you know, the cookies aren't in the drawer right now, but that's okay. So it's, it's a way of kind of priming our environments. And we can think about this too, with confidence and self-esteem as well, getting ourselves into environments that are going to help us get out of our comfort zone a little bit and, and show us what we're really made of. So that can look like joining a club or, you know, a writing group or whatever you're interested in to start to let yourself shine a little bit more. I use writing group because I just joined a writing group the other day and, um, in this group, we're given prompts and then we read our prompts aloud and, and the authors in this group are, they're really good. And I'm a beginner writer and, um, it made me a little nervous in such a good way. And after I'd done this prompt and read and gotten feedback, I just felt such a surge of confidence. So that's what we mean by just kind of getting out of your comfort zone a little bit and altering the environments that you find normal to, to start to up level and upgrade. Um, because the other thing here is that we stay in familiar environments that harm us as a way of self-sabotaging subconsciously because it confirms our identity. So if we've been living in a state of fear and anxiety, um, for so long, we tend to prime our environment subconsciously to reconfirm that because that's who we believe that we are. And we see this a lot, um, you know, with people who perhaps grew up in chaotic homes or had parents that would fight a lot sometimes 
most often we'll see them in the beginning, at least start to date partners and, and marry people who are similar to that. And, and the, uh, the lineage continues on in that way. So to break the chain means to break it in a big way, but, um, but start with like the basic, the basic levels of it. I hope this is making sense. I'm going in a couple circles here. <laughs> And that takes courage, you know, it takes courage to get out of our zones like that and and to challenge ourselves like that. I think the other thing that happens here is we're actually scared of who we're going to become. And this all comes back to identity and not wanting to shake up this idea of who we think we're supposed to be or who we really are, because that means our world's going to change. So what I've seen in myself before, and certainly my clients too, who are blossoming is that we'll get in our own way by procrastinating or hiding under perfectionism, because if we actually did what we said we were going to do and expanded even more, we'd become somebody different. And that can be scary because that's an unknown state of being. Like we just don't know what that's going to feel like. We have an inkling and a gut response that like, this is going to be better for me. I'm going to get stronger and healthier in this new reality, but it's not what I'm used to. And it's unsafe. Unsafety is always seemingly associated with uncertainty, just the unknown. So that's why it takes a lot of courage to shift like this and start to prime our environments differently. And that's why baby steps are really important. And I think it's important as well to not go from one to 100, just take the next natural step, which I know I've talked about before with you guys, but our threshold really needs to get built up gradually um, so that we don't panic and that we don't self-sabotage even more, like almost kind of tricking ourselves into being like, oh, just a little bit more, just adding a little bit more here. I remember when I first started sending out my self-care Sunday newsletter, you know, probably four years ago, um, it would take me a long time to get that newsletter ready. Like I would toil, I would agonize. I'd be like, okay, it's finally ready. I would worry it wasn't going to be perfect. It might take me a few days. Now it takes me like two minutes to bang out an email because I know what I want to say. And it's more that I've built up my threshold for work and I enjoy it so much. I feel like I'm in my purpose fully now, but just take it step by step so that you can increase your threshold and your ability to hold more. Yeah. So just ask yourself, what is the next natural step? How can I just, as Ed Milet would say, just do one more. And I think about this with running as well. You know, um, when I first started running pretty recently, it was intense for me to just run for a mile, you know, without stopping. So then it's just incremental. It's like, okay, can I run a mile and a half today without stopping? Okay, great. Could I maybe do two miles next time and build it incrementally? I'm not trying to go from one to 10 in a span of a few days, right? So it's just increasing our threshold and our capacity to handle it. And that seems to help a lot with procrastination and perfectionism, because I think a lot of us will set our goals like way too high, um, like irrationally high. And then we feel so defeated when we don't reach it. So setting attainable goals is really important and setting them um, so that they're not too far in the future can really help because then we don't really have an excuse and it's not so scary. So it's like on an emotional response level, like how can we just get ourselves and our nervous systems regulated to handle change? Because that's what we're really talking about, right? We're talking about our capacity to change. I love this like statistic too, that our bodies 
overturn our cells completely. Like we have all, we have a whole new body basically every seven years. I hope that's the right statistic. Every seven years, um, everything has been replaced. So doesn't that just show us like our identities can completely evolve? Like all of this non-change is just an absolute illusion. We're becoming new humans every seven years. So interesting to think about that too. And then I think another level of this, of course, is around worthiness and not believing that we're deserving of what we're growing into and what we really want to do. We think, you know, who am I to deserve this? We see this come up in dating and jobs, just about anything. Like, who am I to receive this? You know, I need to do, be, or have something else for me to feel worthy and valuable enough to have this. So what I'd really encourage you to do is check in with yourself and acknowledge yourself for how amazing you are, not based on any external qualities. Only think about what makes you valuable from a soul's expression level, from just a pure pure source code level. It's really hard to come up with anything that would say you're not worthy of something from that perspective, because when you're not focused on accolades or accomplishments that are on paper and you're solely focusing on your soul's expression, that's a place of pure abundance and pure well-being that can be magnified and it's a lot more magnetic. And again, it's a shedding of all of the identity layers so that we're really getting down to the soul level. Okay. I think that's where I want to end. And I love you so much. It's a gorgeous evening. I'm just looking at the sunset out here and I'm like, I just want to go play. All right, my friends, thank you so much for being here and hanging out today. I hope you're feeling inspired and lifted and called to action. As always, everything you might want to know about is linked in the description below. And if you feel like a buddy might benefit from this information and this conversation today, send it along, maybe share it to your stories. And if you feel called to leave a review, I would be so deeply grateful, but I love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'm so grateful that you're part of this community. Community, and I'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Bye for now.